Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, with a much happier vibe because I'm not calling from a phone, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Man, how you doing? I'm great, dude. How about you? Uh, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm back. I'm back in uh, the studio, uh, the the Casa de Curtis, That's where right. I record all the audio magic. Um, I tried to oh, boost that EQ to give you that nice bassy magic that we always have, and I just couldn't get it with that with that phone. Yeah. So, well, you know, my number one goal is to be able to, you know, for the show to be listenable while you're mowing the yard, and I feel like we failed that metric last week. So, dear listener, I apologize. However, Cameron, Magic the Gathering, kind of a, I'd say kind of a lull week. Um, but I've played plenty. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your play status is because you were kind of, like, very busy last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you been up to, man? <clears throat> Schedule cleared up, and I was able to play some paper, which was Ooh. great. Uh, so... Back to Pioneer, back to Blue White Control, and uh, man, the format feels so much more different than it did even like four months ago. Maybe it's not, but just the my meta feels that way. Um, there are some really good things happening though. Um, once again, Black Red, it's a thing. A lot of the guys in the store are playing that. Um, Mono Green Ramp, which I want to just talk about like how much potential this has in Explorer. Um, but the mono green ramp deck is like really, really, really good. Um, and then like my blue-white control list, which needed some fine-tuning, and it's whatever. Like I know exactly what it does. I know the play patterns. I know what I need to be doing on turns two, three, and four, waiting for the inevitable, um, you know, to fairy or shark typhoon and away we go. So like th- there's not I, there's not a lot new to say about this deck. It's it's good. I feel like the meta has settled into a point where um I know how to approach most games, which is great. Um yeah, what else? Oh, um and because of the things of like black red and there's a lot of like graveyard type strategies and synergies that are happening, um main deck farewell which you know i think sometimes it sounds like that's crazy to be doing but like just exiling everything honestly is sometimes the best thing you could be doing on turn six so like you know sometimes it's like wrath with supreme verdict counter whatever's next in that next turn and then you're you know um just removing all the cats and all the food and all everything, you know, for that sort of thing. So um, that's been, like, the the card that's, like, just been integral to just me surviving the later turns. Um, it's Farewell. Well, and you're probably in that nice spot where Farewell and Standard got played around by Planeswalkers, right? And the Black-Red Pioneer deck can't really do that in the same way. Yeah. Um because it has to be so much more efficient and low to the ground, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whereas the mono green deck, I think that's kind of how it beats the control deck, right? As you play, yeah. you know, Karn and all these other things that like Ugin, and it really is a difficult thing to navigate. I mean, you could certainly do it. You just have to have farewell up plus a counter spell plus like survive, right? So like yeah. you have to be able to sequence those turns. Um, 
you know, Othanissa is kind of the card that stands out as the card. I mean, spoiler that we're not getting. It's the in the near future. Big missing part of that deck. Yeah, and the big missing part maybe of the format going forward. Mm. Like if you look at what's coming for Innistrad, um, there's uh, honestly there's just not a lot from um, you know the Zendikar battle for Zendikar that stuff. Um, that really matters, right? Uh, that was Oath of the Gatewatch, I think was Oath of Nyssa, right? Sounds right, so, yeah. So, and then, like, what else was it? Magic Origins is also, like, a, a kind of notable piece. I think maybe because Inverter isn't around, Battle for Zendikar and plus uh, two mana Jace aren't nearly as important. But anyway, I, I'm interested, like, nobody's playing these decks that won... The tournament, like the the pro tournament, you don't see any boggles. You don't see the creativity with Xenagos plus the. You see creativity quite a bit. Um, I didn't play against the creativity decks. Um, I did not see any be playing the boggles types. No, no. So I mean, I'm sure it will happen here eventually, but um, I don't know. Like it wasn't like a huge turnout either. But yeah, yeah. Is it possible that Iowans are too nice to play Boggles? That's no, that's not true because we've seen plenty of Boggles in the in modern. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but we can also agree that you're probably a bad person if you're playing Boggles, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Not a, yes, very bad person. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you if you if you uh, hit the pearly gates and they read your misdeeds and you're a Boggles player, they're probably going to hit you with basically every match you've ever played. I can't imagine. <laughs> That anybody's good with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I've also been playing... So I should say this. like Standard, I think, is very much where we left it. There's been a little bit of grousing <coughs> about uh, different cards that need to go. Um, specifically, I think the most interesting discussion has been around Invoke Despair, um, which I think is a messed up card, but I also think like we're really not acknowledging that Fable of the Mirror Breaker enables that card to occur mm-hmm. ahead of schedule or cast much easier out of a, a three-color deck. Um, like, I, I just feel like Fable, we're, anytime any, we're talking about banning any of these other cards besides Fable of the Mirror Breaker, I feel like we're just not being honest about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, I get, I get that now with Meat Hook Massacre, the Infect decks would probably be completely unplayable if Meat Hook Massacre was in the format. So I, I will give I will give them some bonus points for maybe looking ahead, right, and seeing what was coming down the line. And you know, when you create a bunch of little mites, Infect mites, and they have a Meat Hook Massacre, it kind of becomes a trivial yeah. enterprise, right? But yeah. Invoke Despair is not the problem. It is a card that can be beaten if we have the right tools. Um, but I think there's also kind of been an overcorrection where some people are saying, oh, well, that card. I was listening to um, the Arena Decklist podcast, and they were like, Invoke Despair is probably as, about as good as uh, the Eldest Reborn, which I think is crazy. I think it's way better than Eldest Reborn, mm-hmm. right? It's just the format is lined up in such a way where you can't recover from an Invoke Despair. Uh, with the power level of Grixis, and sometimes Esper Legends will play it. Yeah, like it's not crazy, yeah. um, but also just Black Red or you know whatever. <coughs> so, um, but I've been playing Explore. Uh, I've been playing the Five Color Fires deck, uh, and I got to be honest with you, Cameron. I'm still convinced 
that this is not the best deck, but it probably is the most fun. <laughs> it kind of feels like you're showing up with a deck that is really not acceptable to play. Mm-hmm. And as soon as your opponent plays a fair deck, they're almost certainly going to lose um, because of the, you know, the, the, the toolbox nature of this deck. Um, it has massive weaknesses and is not the best deck because, I mean, against like mono white, mono red, it is very hard to win those games. I mean, you can do it. Mono red, I think you have a slightly better uh, record than against mono white. But aggro decks are a real problem for this deck. Like, there are times where you're just like three tap lands and you're dead. Yeah. Like, that is not an uncommon thing to happen. So the balance is a little bit thrown off. And I think the creativity decks are a lot better. Um, in terms of if you were to go play in a tournament, <laughs> and this isn't a controversial thought, I mean, it won the Pro Tour, but the Blue-Red Creativity deck I just think has more game, is more efficient, leverages Fable the Mirror Breaker much, much, much better. Um, but if I'm being honest with you, I'm the kind of guy that likes the idea of whenever the card says search my deck, I can thumb through about four different creatures and I can find one for the right scenario and all that. Um, Such a maverick. Yeah. I mean, that's just basically Green Sun Zenith, right? What are we yeah. doing if we're not, you know? So I'm I'm also heartened by, like, we're seeing a lot of variability in the Explore metagame. I linked, like, a, a set of uh, tournament results uh, there. And, like, there is a an alarming amount of, quote, mono. Like, there's mono green, mono red, mono white. But, 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 there are other decks, right? So I feel like we are in kind of this six metagames thing. Uh, six deck metagame thing. I would say again, my biggest criticism is we're not looking at a lot of interaction when we see these things, mm-hmm. right? You know, you're in trouble when mono green ramp is like the most interactive thing that we're talking about. So that's got me a little bit concerned moving forward. Um, so you've been all the way on paper pioneer, and I know we're getting ready to talk about explore down the line. Have you touched any limited or standard, or has it all just been... I, I mean, this week I just played a little bit more of the green-white poison deck that I have. Um, that was just mainly to fulfill one of my daily quests. Um, but <laughs> that's about it. And it's it's kind of a whatever deck. Um, standard, you know, I had like this high, you know, two weeks ago I was just playing a ton and was okay with it. And now this week, I don't know, man, like it, it just... Everything that you just kind of mentioned, Fable and Mirror Breaker, Invoke Despair, like these are things that are just I'm kind of done with. Um, and yeah, like I, standard is is fine. It's whatever. But it's not the thing that I'm craving to do on a weekly basis right now. Yeah, understandable, man. So yeah. here in 10 days, something like that, we're getting Shadows over Innistrad remastered so just to like clarify this because i think there's a lot to to cover here but this is a mixture of shadows over innistrad and eldritch moon which were the two companion pieces of a a block back in the day cameron they used to combine sets into one story and one set of mechanics it's called a block yeah um and (laughs) i don't know if someone is out there just like how can we make explore slash pioneer even more confusing 
But in this set, there are also cards from original Innistrad and Dark Ascension. Um, I feel like there's another one. Avacyn Restored. Uh, from those sets, um, they can appear. And they are, of course, not Explorer Legal. However, they are Alchemy... No, not Alchemy. Hold on. They are Historic Legal historic brawl legal and can now show up in cubes they've also announced that these cards will also rotate in occasionally over the course of this being a viable draft format so snapcaster might only be available in the draft packs not necessarily the open packs from the store um for the first week and then they'll unveil another set of cards from original innistrad that they're putting in so before we kind of get into the knee deep of explore and pioneer I just want to talk a little bit about what this what this could mean for historic versus what it actually means for historic. <laughs> Cuz my heart broke a little bit when I saw Snapcast Snapcaster Mage, Lingering Souls, Grizzlebrand. Never going to play those cards, Cameron. Mhm. What do you where where are you at on all this, man? Yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm the same. Like I Welcome every single card from Magic's past into Arena. 100%. I want to see them all. Put them there, right? So if that means getting them in like these sort of sets, that's fine. But once again, like, I just, I don't know what the identity (laughs) is of like where these cards are actually going to be like fitting. So like historic, come on, I, I, Snapcaster is going to be really, really good. And I just worry that we're going to see this. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's going to say, not flash. Or it's going to say, pay one and then pay the additional whatever to cast (laughs) into. You know, I mean, like, it's going to be that sort of thing because it's that good of a card that, like, I just, I worry that, I I don't know what their definition, you know, they've used the definitions of iconic cards will not be changed. Like, what is iconic to them? Versus what is iconic to me. Um, once again, it's just an issue. Let's like just do away with that. Put this in. I welcome this in cube. Like absolutely. Like I think yeah. that's super exciting. I love seeing lingering souls, Gristlebrand, like all these. Like it's great. It's awesome to see that. I just they need more. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think they just need to be doing a better job of defining where these cards are actually going to live when it comes to arena yeah i i'm frantically trying to figure out a way to look up how many cards are alchemy only in arena i guess i don't like i I must need to search with the the advanced toggles or whatever but (laughs) man does it feel like we could have modern Right? Like, yeah. Because every yeah. set has its own alchemy release with like 20 or 30 cards that are different, right? That have new names and new design. Like, it's, it's astonishing that we've gotten this far down the road. And I know there's going to be some number, there's going to be some number of listeners that are hearing this and going, well, Curtis has always hated alchemy and he's not willing to change my, his position. Uh, true. But also. <laughs> But also, like, it's hard to think of anything that – it just it just so separates the brand in such an awkward way on this digital client 
And I mean, I would actually do a challenge to you, dear listener. Try and find me some good alchemy content. Go to a website. Find me some alchemy deck list. Do it. Probably not going to do it, right? Yeah. And this, this, this got particularly irritating with me. First of all, Snapcaster Mage, one of my favorite cards of all time. I have my playset. I've refused to sell my playset of Snapcasters. They're signed. I've, I've played them in Modern, in Legacy. They were in my deck whenever I had a really nice Legacy finish. Multiple Legacy finishes, as a matter of fact. It's a card that I have a real attachment to. So I am like customer number one that wants to play this card very badly. And to know that I have to play this compromised version of Magic, again, I would not mind if you all had your version of, you know, whatever Magic, as long as I could play a version of Magic that had these cards on it. But it, that's not allowed for me. And that's the thing that really stings. And I updated my Arena client today and went to go play Standard, and it auto-added me into Alchemy again. Like, it's just it's kind of to the point where it's almost a meme of like how irritated I am with this, I mm-hmm. guess. But these are some great cards. I welcome them in cube. I don't welcome the arena cards in cube or the alchemy cards. And I, I know you probably haven't done the cube with the alchemy cards. Nope. Um, but they're all broken. So like you the 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 rule of thumb is when you see an alchemy card, you just take it. Cool. <laughs> So uh, you might have a Snapcaster Mage, but there was like a, a two-mana white 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, tap an uh, opponent's creature and then put another copy of that card into your hand. So you can just play like 20 of them, right? Like just storm off. And so like you, th- that's unbelievable limited, right? All right, so Pioneer though. Explore Pioneer. Watsi is claiming that 95% of the played cards in the format from the Pro Tour will be available. That's how close we're going to be with Explore now. Nice. What card are you excited about here, Cameron? Let's get let's get positive. Let's get controversial <laughs> and positive. Uh, you know, I am looking forward to Mausoleum Wanderer. Um yeah, specifically that one, I think. Uh have we gotten the the other Thalia? Was it Heretic? Is that I I'm so confused. I can't remember what cards are already so, in, <laughs> but if that's if I know it's going to get printed again or released again, but I can't remember if that's actually in the set. But I'm looking forward to that if it isn't, just because I've had a lot of great times with that, and I think they'll be good in like a mono white. Yeah, super underrated card, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to clarify, Thalia Guardian of Thraben Thraben has been printed twice on Arena. That's why you're confused. It was in one of the expansion packs. Okay. Um, and then they just went ahead and put it in whatever set that was. And so I was like, oh, sweet. Um, yeah, Mausoleum Wanderer, I think, is, um, you know, a, a great card. I, uh, Tireless Tracker was like, is already on now because of one of the packs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really cool to see that, like, think about that card and how it's used. It ended up not mattering at all, but what we had a, we had a fun week of it being isolated away from this so we could kind of experience it a little bit. Um, Thing in the Ice, I think, is obviously the big ticket item here because blue-red can kind of get blown out by aggro decks right now. Mm, Um, Or I should say blue-red Phoenix, which is kind of a reasonable matchup for it normally. Um, And really, 
the place for Phoenix in the metagame is also in a strange place because you get into this, well, if you're playing blue-red, you should probably be playing Fable of the Mirror Breaker, which means you probably should be playing Creativity. And it kind of leads you down this path away from Thing in the Ice. Mm-hmm. So I, what I'm trying to say is Phoenix is not the primary blue-red deck in the format anymore, um, but still pretty good um, and easily, you know, uh, what's what's could easily take down a tournament. Um, also, weirdly, Cigar to Zade um, yeah. is this kind of like, you know, hammer time kind of thing. It's not the kind of deck that you or I tend to play. Um but it does matter, right? Like it does matter in uh, certain archetypes, right? So, anyway, I'm gonna draft this set a lot. I don't know if you saw, but they they put together a bundle that was pretty good. It was like thirty bucks, two drafts of sealed and ten packs or something like that. It's not bad, yeah. So I, I'm stoked for this, and I'm I'm hoping as we get to Pioneer, like more and more um, innovation will happen with the format, but. I need standard to get a little bit better, and then that way I can get to explore every once in a while, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's get out of the segment, Cameron. Come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So before we talk video games, because I think we both have some listed, I have to ask you, have you seen any of uh, the new history of the world? No, I haven't. Are are you aware that it's a thing? I'm not even aware. I am like I'm looking this up right now. So yeah, Mel Brooks uh, produced, and it's a like six episode series uh, sequel to History of the World. Okay, it's his first thing in a long time, and I think he's like in his like mid to late nineties now. It's gotta be, yeah. So this thing has been getting terrible reviews. I've watched two episodes of it. And Cameron, I got to be honest with you. I think it's quite funny. <laughs> um, I also think that some of the criticisms, um, it makes me wonder if people were actually watching any of Mel Brooks' previous movies. Hmm. Uh, because it is wildly inconsistent. But guess what? Most of Mel Brooks' films, wildly inconsistent. Like yeah. there's not a... There's not a consistent, like, go back and watch Young Frankenstein or the original history. You know what I mean? Some things fall flat, but some of the stuff is really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like an all-star cast, and, I mean, I'm not going to ruin anything for you, but, like, they do a lot of parroting of things in a very slapstick Mel Brooks way. Like, for example, they basically do a storyline about Judas Iscariot, but it's basically... Cur- like a deadlift of curb your enthusiasm including the music <laughs> okay <laughs> so you're either the kind of person that thinks that's really funny yeah. or you think it's the worst thing that's ever happened it's going and on my list man i'm gonna watch this yeah there's also my favorite storylines involve and they've had multiple skits about it uh a story of Ulysses ulysses s grant <laughs> and again i want to just recognize there's a whole group of people out there that would not really be into Ulysses S. Grant humor, but I am definitely that guy. <laughs> They're there for it. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole story is he's trying to find a drink of whiskey. <laughs> and so, you know, it makes light of alcoholism and a former president and all these things. I think it's great. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll check it out. I will check that out. 
But yeah, anyway, so talk to me, dude. We talked last week about Metroid Fusion. You ran out there and took care of that, huh? I did, yeah. Uh, so this is big black hole in my uh, my Metroid game library. Um, I mean, I haven't played the Game Boy version of Metroid 2. Um, I did play the Samus Returns when they came out. But anyway, Metroid um, Fusion, it's the prequel, I guess, to Metroid Dread, which came out last, was that last year, two years ago? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, the Metroid Dread on the Switch, which is, you know, I thought was a really, really good, strong game. Um, mm-hmm. But like, there's a whole thing that I, I think I completely missed. I think I did like a Wikipedia article uh, to figure out like how Super Metroid to this kind of connect. And on top of that, like, I mean, it's lore it's like whatever you know uh once again it's just a very competent game as far as the metroidvania style video game on um, this one you're on a, a spaceship or a space station i should say um and there's it very much feels like dread in the sense that there's like a unstoppable force that is hunting you as you're exploring and and trying to level up and do all the classic metroid things um and it's really good i'm just like surprised with just like once again like super metroid um these games are aged as far as like you know when they came out this is a 20 year old game but the way it is structured the mood the music and just the limitations of the game boy at the time and game boy advance or whatever it was um, they they really lean into what those limitations are to kind of deliver as much as they possibly can from it. And um, I don't know, like it, it's definitely got a, an aesthetic and a mood that um, fits right there with like a game that came out two years ago or last year, um, you know, keeps it right on track. So I was, I'm really impressed with like how much I've been enjoying <laughs> Metroid Fusion. Uh, yeah, it's also a blind spot for me. I've never played it. Uh, Game Boy Advance, I think, is one of the most underrated systems of all time. Like it, the catalog. If you sit down and actually look at the catalog for Game Boy Advance, it's mm-hmm. shocking. Like it, and it ran forever, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you could probably have a Game Boy Advance SP right now, and it would probably open and power on and all those things. Like it, they are. It's. I wouldn't call it craftsmanship. I just think sturdy is maybe yeah. the better way of. Yeah. Uh, referring to it, but um, now, dude, I I just want to revisit because I think I maybe just did not the best job because we were in a car. I wasn't explaining it super well. I cannot stop playing Wo Long. I can't, and I acknowledge that there are massive problems with this game, like massive. It has incredible load times. The story seems nonsensical to the degree at which. I skip all the cutscenes. I think it might be as much of a translation issue as anything else. Um, the game looks like a game from last gen, right? It looks like Team Ninja's using the same thing that they use for uh, the Final Fantasy thing that they did in Neo 2 and Neo 1. Uh, that being said, the things that it does with the Souls formula are so refreshing and cool that it really... It's a more interesting play session than Elden Ring was, moment to moment. And part of this is me being an old man shaking my head at the, hand at the clouds going, I don't want any more old, like open worlds. 
Like I'm done with that. And when people review Will Long, they talk about you selecting a discrete level as a downside. And to me, that's not it. Like there are levels that you can complete in 20 minutes in this game. Like the sub the submissions. And it's like, good. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Sometimes I wake up, I have my coffee. I, I want to just like play 20 minutes of a game before I go to work. And that needs to be okay. But they have this thing that's built into every level. So yes, you level up like a Souls game, right? And like you can make various attributes go up. However, there's also levels within the levels. So over the course of you going through one of these stages, it's kind of like um, League of Legends or something. You start at like level one and you can work your way up to 20. And you see the enemies if they are like a 12 or a 15 or whatever. And by killing enemies, you get your, it's called your morale, up inside the context of that level. So you know where you're at. So the boss is usually morale level 20. And as you kind of get closer to 20, you have this awareness, I am getting closer to the boss in this stage, Hmm. right? And yeah, you can take on the boss when you're like morale level 12, but it's going to be harder for you because of the scaling. But then they have these like uh, bonfire equivalents, basically. And then when you plant your flag, it locks in a certain morale level for you. So you're really incentivized to go through the level as much as possible to find all the enemies and to find these like markers to place down your flag, which again is a bonfire. And then that locks in your morale rank at a certain stage. And so if you die, you don't go all the way back to one, you go back to 12 or whatever. So that plus you can always have two AI guys with you. Hmm. And you actually level them up. And so they, they function just like AI does in Sekiro or Elden Ring or whatever, right? They're just kind of glorified people that run around and whatever. But as you recruit them more and more and use them more and more and beat bosses with them, you get bonuses, you level up with your companions, and then they will give you different armor sets based upon how often you are working with them. Okay. So yeah. what I'm saying is it's discrete more and that I can get shorter play sessions out of it. Um, and then there are times because the gear system is very Diablo-esque, I can sit for 10 minutes and just mess with the gear system. For some people, that's a huge problem. I love it. I like fiddling with stats. Um, it's kind of my job these days. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that stuff doesn't really bother me. Um, but the other thing that I just wanted to hammer home that I, I feel like I didn't do a good enough job, the combat in this game is so good. It is so good. It overcomes so many of the problems that this game has of there's not a lot of variety. The levels can be short. Sometimes they reuse a lot of like maps to get you to go to like smaller levels. But just like Neo, man, the combat is just, I mean, they know what Spot they're doing. On. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and I believe it's also Steam Deck verified, Cameron. So um, right. another reason to get another handheld. <sighs> I want it so bad. Cameron, Cameron. <laughs> You've earned it, man. You've earned it. You know? Thank you. Yeah. You have my permission. <laughs> I don't know what your wife says. But you have my permission to buy yourself a Steam Deck anytime you want. Thanks, right? Dude. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Treat yourself. That's what I say. All right, Cameron, if someone would like to uh, message you and let you let let you know how much they're enjoying their Steam Deck, where could they find you? That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week.